Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate in 2003 nike signed 13 year old freddie adu to a seven-figure contract but freddie didn't live up to the hype he is turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. Hi, this is Ruben Loftus-Cheek. I'm Pat Nevin. I'm Mason Mount. You're listening to the London is Blue podcast. All right, welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. Uh, That is right, as always, your host, Brandon, joined by not Nick, but Dan. This time, we've made a a substitution. Nick is out, all right? Can't handle the heat in the kitchen, so he had to step out and cool down for a little bit. So instead, uh, we get longtime friend, OG of the podcast, multi-trip to London goer, DPZ of We Ain't Got No History, the most successful Chelsea blog out there, I believe. Is that, am I legally allowed to say that? Sure. Let's do it. All right. I love (laughs) the excitement. I love the passion. Back in a day when you could travel around the world. Times are fun. Oh, the times. Well, in case you're unfamiliar with it, uh, our friend David here is the editor-in-chief boss man of the Espionation block for Chelsea. It's called We Ain't Got No History. And in case you don't know about us, that's pretty much where we got our humble beginnings was on that on that site. Um, and so anyways, ton of great content. Link in the description. Uh, go check it out. Um, I mean, I, I don't know, David, I know you love tooting your own horn. I mean, what's the best part about your guys' blog? Oh, uh, where to start? Everything is amazing. Come for the articles, stay for the community. That's what I tell people. All right. I like yeah. that. That's very politically correct. That's that's very shined it's, politicians. Nah, answer. I, I mean, like it's, that. it's 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 what we it's what we do is if you get tired of the whole Twitter shouting, you know, come come hang out on the blog and have some reasonable discourse. It's I would, Dan, I would call it like it's an alternative if you get fed up with the ESPN FC bait click nonsense articles and things like that all the time. Right. Get away from the mainstream media content by fans. Just come like for a, the wow, blog like clickbait. You're uh, really, really taking this in a dark direction. I'm going to try to swoop and save. But ultimately, yeah, we ain't got no history. Great community, wonderful articles covering all facets of Chelsea, all the way from the first team to the youth teams and everything in between. Uh, not you know, not without saying the Chelsea women's team, who are, by the time you're most likely listening to this, getting ready to play uh, Benfica and continue their domination of Europe this season. All right. Well, Dan... Keep it going. You know what we do to kick off a show. Yeah, it's, a, it's a new thing, DPZ. We, we do a three-word match review now. This might be a little oh, yeah. unfamiliar to you. but Yeah, you guys you tagged me in the tweet, so I got a lot of notifications, which is new to me. You're welcome. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> All right, so we, we have a couple here that we, uh, we picked from. Again, over 100 plus, so definitely no shortage of selection here for me. Definitely a selection headache. But... Uh, Chris Bones, too, with What the Frank, which I thought was good. <laughs> Made me laugh. Uh, Burke Cubed with Faulty German Engineering. Our buddy Oof. Captain Buzzkill with Fuck Festive Fixtures. Tana with Winter is Here. Uh, Derek with Dire Against Wolves. 
And then Simon, with the most positive one of them all, eighth by Thursday, which is hey, absolutely not still the most top positive half of answer. the league. Uh, what just do you know? What do Wait, you know? Only six points behind. There's a three-word review, review for you. Is that is that what you're going with? No. I'm going with not great, Bob, or not good, Bob, as I misspelled in our tweet. <laughs> don't, don't you love the, the non-editing options in, oh, yeah. in Twitter? It's 2020, still no edit in Twitter. Um. Okay, so not great, Bob, from DPZ. Oh. I put 17 matches unbeaten. <laughs> Hashtag never forget. Because clearly everyone immediately forgot. Uh, Dan, over to you. Uh, actually, before I say mine, there was one. I don't remember who put it out, but it was in, clearly directed at the Mike Ryan Ruiz Dan Dormer partnership of the Why Not Us, and it was Why Not Question Mark. I like us. that one. That, that was, was that really was well quality. Done. That was that was Ooh, good. I deep, that was very deep. Yeah, it was, lots, it was lots of layers to that one reflection in that one uh mine was less reflective it was just more football is dumb there 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 it is football is dumb three-word match review over look i mean this is classic this is why you play the match everton trending down chelsea trending up it was just a matter of time i mean you can't win them all uh and, and this that was, attitude this was the one <laughs> look dbz here here's the deal um it's. I think we'll just get into some of the high high points of this match. Obviously, um, there's there's a lot to get into as far as just the the tactical setup, just kind of how it didn't all come together. And maybe we can piggyback this off of the 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 draw as well. But um, or yeah, the you know the draw against Everton just not not ideal. Kind of how we've been going. So um, how about we do a quick little appreciation? Right, as we like to do before we get into the meat of it all. So huge shout out to Jonathan and Kyle for joining us on Patreon. I think we've even had a couple more people I need to catch up on as well. So again, uh, huge shout out to you. Uh, if you're not in the Discord yet, let me know. Uh, gifts coming this weekend. And Dan, Apple 5. I'm just going to shorten it Apple up. Apple 5-star podcast reviews. We have a ton of those. Just look, there, there was a backlog. You know, you missed one episode. You got to come in with a bunch of thanks. And so Tobias Case, Kyler Gav, me five 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 GDC has Maratasaurus nope. Josh eighty one seventy three eight no nope. and GTAP sixteen and then Anuk uh, Anuker CFC all leaving wonderful five star views and Apple Podcasts we super appreciate it and yeah it was it was excellent you're you're slandering Hazmatasaurus that's Hazard Mata not Marata. I don't think they want Marata <laughs> affiliated with them. So I, we just got to rewind the tape real quick and, and, and fix that one. Um, merch Madness, by the way, is underway. So uh, DPs, if you have any, we ain't got no history merch. We'd love to get it on that. I see you're rocking the club festive sweater. Um, official merch not included, uh, <laughs> unfortunately, for you guys. But well, uh, Back uh, Nick, when they used to do good jumpers, now it's all. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. That, I digress. Yeah, look, I, that's how you know we've been already following Chelsea for more than three years because we're already talking about back when. <laughs> back Man, in my the, day when they used to do good jumpers. Yeah, the 2012 jumper was really when it <laughs> peaked, but after that, it's yeah. really just been downhill It's all been downhill. Nike. Yeah, that's. That, I mean, that's that's where we're at. So uh, I know Nick has been uh, running the, cl- uh, the the podcast card and purchasing as much as he possibly can. So look, this is your chance. Before I cut him off and get a new card, get your items to him. He He's going wild. Uh, and then also, Dan, we have a couple more podcasts yet this week, even though this is number two already. Yeah, we're speaking in Matt Law tomorrow. So you'll be listening to this. We'll be recording another podcast. It's almost like two a days and uh, in training season. So we're getting our work in here. But I'm sure there'll be no shortage of topics to talk about when he's laying down the law. And then Ooh. we have a West Ham preview wow. coming up at the end of the week, too. So to get you ready for our next Premier League match. So keep tuned for all of that i i didn't warn you uh peas you got to help me uh contain the portion of puns has greatly increased mm. in the last many months <laughs> all right so two Pandem- more the pandemic's getting to you guys it, yeah cl- at least i've gotten out of my house a little bit so <laughs> I've, I've got the fresh air uh but no dan does a good job of taking his walk so at least at least you get that so uh, anyways, here we go. Match review time. It was Wolves in the Premier League, as you all know. And it was Tuesday, the 15th of December, wasn't it? It was at the Molyneux Stadium. 
Uh, Scoreline, Chelsea 1, Wolves 2. I can speak faster than Dan can type. For those of you not watching the script live as we go. Uh, let's go ahead and throw it over to the Chelsea Fist stand app for the goals. We'll play it back, set the stage. Uh, only official app from Chelsea FC. And if you didn't know, they post all their highlights and quotes and articles there first before everywhere else. So go download it now. Chelsea's hope that Saturday's loss at Everton was just a minor bump in the road as they look to put their title challenge back on track at Molyneux tonight. Mount with the outswinger. And the header off the frame of the goal. Well, Kurt Zuma, how many times have we seen this this season? Closest we've come to a goal. What a leap. Werner. This touch is good here. Chilwell on the left-hand side. Once again, plenty of blue shirts. Forward, really good effort. Did that cross the line? Giroud thinks he did. Well, the referee is given it. He has crossed over Rui Patricio and able to keep it out. It was a really good hit. And although the keeper got down well, it squirmed underneath his body. Super goal, well worked. Great overlap by Ben Chilwell. Delivery was decent. Patricio won't want to see that again. Try and get beyond Thiago Silva. That's a lucky bounce for Pedro Neto. Three inside the area. It's Loton with Willie Bolly. Thiago Silva gets to the ball first. Good. Oh, it's flicked off Bolly as well. That's not a corner. The Wolves get the decision. And it is whipped in, but this has done well. Yeah, I think Troy is going to have to come off, you know. Well, he's not moving at all. He's no, not taking part, is he? Not at all. But Ence, oh, he's done well. And still going. Well, they stood off him as he twisted and turned and eventually got sight of goal. He lets fly and Wolves are level. I think he saves it if it doesn't hit Reese James. Yeah. Now Chilwell, good work from Pulisic to the edge of the area. He won't fall for Pulisic or Abraham. No, just need that little bit of luck again. First ball deflected, and this game is really stretched. Both teams going for it. Pedro Neto will take the shot on and finds the corner. In the fifth minute of added on time, Frank Lampard. And only stare at the scoreline. Wolves 2, Chelsea 1. All right, goals out of the way. Dan, keep us going here. Set up the stage with the formation and lineup. Well, it was Mendy between the sticks. We had Thiago Silva and Kurt Zuma as the center back partnership with Ben Chilwell and Reese James on the flanks. Golo Kante, Mason Mount, and Kai Havertz made up your midfield three with... Olivier Giroud, Timo Werner, and Christian Pulisic, number 10, returning to the lineup after a little bit of hamstring rehab. Unused substitutes included Kepper Ithablaga, Antonio Rudiger, Cesar Aspilicueta, Jorginho, Billy Gilmore, and we did see appearances in the 71st minute from Mateo Kovacic and Tammy Abraham. All right. Top line stats, Chelsea with under 55% possession. We had 13 shots, three on target to their 12 with four on target. They had 17 tackles, our 14. They had 34 clearances. To our 19. I'm pretty sure that's the second game in a row that the team has had over 30 clearances uh, in a match. We had six corners to their five, uh, a couple yellow cards apiece, and we both conceded 12 fouls. I don't know what you want to make of that DPZ lineup stats. Means uh, uh, there's going to be just, something. What we want to make of that, uh, we should stop crossing into tall defenders and expect uh, something other than them clearing the ball. That's what 34 could. That's what 34 clears. Yeah, sure. But he's still up against at least two players at all times. And yeah. uh, what actually seemed to happen a lot in this one was we kept hitting crosses behind players or the players were making the same runs. Uh, multiple times we had Giroud and like Havertz ending up in the same position. Uh, crosses from Pulisic going behind Werner, things like that. So not I'm not really surprised that there was 34 clearances. I mean, for a lot of times it was attack versus defense. And we made it pretty easy for them. You know, if you get that many clearances, it's not like they're super amazing clearances. We're not uh, putting in creative enough attacks. Would yeah, you you're spamming? Yeah. Would you say that we scored off a cross? Sure. So it wasn't completely ineffective. You're saying there's a lack of creativity. No, it's not completely. Crosses are never completely ineffective. Otherwise, nobody would ever do them. But they're uh, the. Uh, the rate or the rate of success for crosses is still very low, just as it was back in 2012, and just as it is now. Yet um, that seems to be the default uh, setting that everybody goes to, including us. So, well, here's another here's another mind melter for you at <laughs> XG Philosophy Wolves expected goals 0.65. Yeah, they scored two. 
Uh, Chelsea, 1.77. We scored one. Uh, Dan, unmelt my mind. How? Why? What? Well, just two really great shots and conversion from Wolves and a bunch of terrible finishing from us. And actually... Good. Well, if you look at it, the lowest likelihood shot from Giroud to go in was actually what he converted the goal off of, which is pretty funny. And then you have Zuma, who I still rewatched it back like three times, and it just felt like that ball should have gone in every single time and off of instead it hits the woodwork and so i don't know i always feel like that should be extra points yeah i mean 1.77 sounds good but if you only want your mind melted 0.29 was the xg from open play so really that's where the 34 clearances come into play you have more clearances than than three times as many clearances almost as shots and it's they're just too easy our yeah. greatest chance was Zuma and Giroud leaping high from corners, which is fine, but it's not uh, necessarily something we can rely on every time. I, I was kidding about the whole mind melting thing, ah. but uh, that's that that's something to uh, to chew on and think about. Uh, Dan, really interesting headline here that you want to start off with our match review going in since last week. I remember this past weekend. It was not a week ago. It was just a few short days ago, and I I was sat here asking Simon Johnson. Was this the worst performance of the season? To which he, pretty sure he said yes. Yet here we are, new contender for worst match of the season. Is this just a recurrent theme now? Uh, this is the new low? How how many more will it go? Or is this it? Well, you have to ask Frank and the, the team how low is it going to go. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not necessarily a question we can answer without a patented future vision or something. You know, we're just analyzing and looking back at the match that transpired today and, you know, I think that the two things that I pulled out here, one from Squawka, that Chelsea have lost back-to-back games of the Premier League for the first time since December of 2019. And then Nazar's tweet after the match, which was, this is Chelsea's first defeat from a leading position all season. So two things there that don't necessarily make me feel really great about this match. And you would argue that in the last game, in the last match, you know, we also had a situation where we didn't have Pulisic in the match. Pulisic was in this match. You would say maybe you had a more fully formed you know, starting 11, the 11 that you would anticipate that Frank would want to use moving forward. And so I think that, you know, kind of fits into my thinking around this being the new worst match of the season. But you can correct me if I'm wrong, DPZ. I brought you in for the sunshine, for the light, for the positivity. And my, you my mood reflects my background. Uh, <laughs> I mean, any anytime you lose in added on time, it's gonna feel really, really bad. Uh, not you know, not, let alone the fact that we were leading in the game and messed it up from there. I think what the kind of the Everton loss felt a bit better in terms of that seemed like more of an unjust loss in terms of we gave up a goal from a really silly mistake from a penalty that gave away a penalty and then we didn't really do anything badly off out of uh, possession they didn't give Everton too many chances at all and it was kind of just a failing on the attacks part in this one we were falling back into a lot of bad habits on both ends of the pitch and that included giving up counters giving up really open uh, open shots and really stupid mistakes including at the very end which you know <laughs> i mean it's one thing to settle for a draw i guess but just give away just a, a really silly counter but yeah i would say it's probably the worst and what's ironic about it all is that the last time we lost back-to-back games in december 2019 it, we also began with a loss at everton and then we lost at home to Bournemouth, which was really bad. So this one, not so bad. This one is slightly better. There's your ray of sunshine. Oh, lovely. Slightly. Don't you just feel better suddenly? I, I See, do. It's magical. It could, be, it could be so much worse. We could have lost at home. We could have lost to Bournemouth, who were eventually relegated, as we might recall. It's a long road down for them. Um, I'll give you the bright, the bright start, which was... Christian Pulisic, especially statistically, he had the most duels contested with 15, which is crazy. He was just up for everything. He was even challenging headers, which he had no business challenging for. Uh, he had the most duels won with eight. He had the most take-ons completed, which was four. He had the most aerial duels won, which is two. I'm sorry, what? 
he had to been tied, right? He was he wasn't the only one. Like most aerial duels, one is not what I expect to hear from Christian Pulisic at five foot seven and a half, uh, and he won the most fouls with two. So clearly, he was heavily involved. Uh, Dan, you you trying to tweet into reality a goal and assist coming from Christian, saying you felt like it was coming, it just never did. But overall, he lasted. More minutes than I expected him to, a.k.a. an entire 90 after, quote, feeling his hamstring in training last week. Well, it's one of those things where, you know, never was, oh, my gosh, he's got a serious injury that he's going to be out for multiple, multiple weeks. Yeah, that always felt a little bit more precautionary in the way that he's going to be game managed with his hamstring. Right. He's going to get be potentially that first player subbed off he might get appearances where he comes in off the bench so that he can get a little bit of time and you know i would rather trying to look at this long term while analyzing an individual individual match you would rather we take the precautious approach when it comes to his injuries because it seems like i don't know what his hamstring is made of but it's not made of the the natural stuff there's there's a need to invest in some r&d and figure out how we keep that protected or enhance it in some capacity that is uh well within the regulations of uefa some and titanium hamstrings yeah you know that'd be great you know give them the Weapon X experience but ultimately the, that was you know it, it definitely was an element where he looked like he was going to impact the match he seemingly was finding you know nelson Semedo had no, no answer for christian no had answer for anyone the fact that he didn't go into the book in the first half was just absolutely i, I was incredulous it was incredulous i i, I just I, I couldn't process how he could continue to hack away at Polisic. and i know like last season at the post restart phase when christian was coming up and having this really great run there was all the Oh man, like Eden Hazard and Christian Pulisic kind of comparisons. Well, the only thing that they have a really great comparison on is the fact that the the treatment they get from opposition players, which is the tactical fouling, the hacking down, and then seemingly no adjudication by the official to try and protect them appropriately. And so you had all this bright start. You had this amazing kind of initial run. You felt like something good was going to happen. And then Timo Werner goes on to the left and Christian Pulisic goes on the right. And you basically do not hear from him again, the entire match PC. And that's probably the most kind of head scratching thing. That is a Netflix unsolved mystery into itself. Like why did we decide that that was a better idea to try and win this game when there was nothing happening on the right? It's, it's, uh, Yes, it's baffling and all the synonyms of baffling as to why uh, Lampard decided that it would be smart to switch his wingers after uh, Pulisic absolutely was repeatedly destroying Nelson Semedo, who was eventually booked in the second half, actually, for a foul on Pulisic again, like the third or fourth in the game. But uh, yeah, my my only concern really to go back to your first point was about his uh, hamstrings is I don't think we were expecting to play him the full 90 minutes. And uh, considering that it was his second start in about three months, I'm uh, I would be not surprised if he did not start the next game or the game after that, which is unfortunately how the season has been going. But let's keep it positive. This is the start of. Uh, cyborg Pulisic, who will never be injured again and will play every single minute of every single game from here on out. On the left, hopefully, and not the right, which he's perfectly capable on the right, but we were clearly having way more uh, joy on the left than we were on the right. And maybe that's what Lampard was kind of thinking. His art attack was quite unbalanced. Uh, everything was coming down the left, but it seemed like messing with success for no particular reason. And sure, we've had games where uh, uh, wingers would switch. Uh, it's fairly standard for most wingers, really, but Werner isn't really a winger. And he actually did all right when he was on the right against Everton. I recall at least one good cross from his position. And somebody on Twitter who is smarter than me, but I forget his name, said something along the lines of, if Werner's on the right, uh, he can create a shot a little better for himself because there's a need, there's a need to cut inside. Uh, it's the right flank for the right foot and he can just unleash it from there. Uh, as we've come to learn, uh, his first touch isn't necessarily fantastic. 
and uh, his ability to get past players is also not necessarily fantastic, certainly when compared to Pulisic. So uh, putting him into positions where it's easier to shoot seems to be would seem to be a uh, good thing to do. And yet we once again put him on the left initially, and then we switched him to the right, and that seemed to work really well. Um, and I really was hoping somebody would ask Lampard in the post-match press conference as to why he decided to do what he did. Uh, unfortunately, nobody did. Just as nobody asked him why he kept Kai Havertz on for way too long, and or even from the very beginning, why even go with a 4-3-3 when uh, it was quite obvious that we needed a three-man backline in this game. We definitely talked about formation stuff last pod, obviously, you know, with a few more injuries and less options for Frank to choose from. But you bring up a guy who is one of two national teammates that could use a break. Maybe. Maybe, because, you know, PZ, you and I have played, obviously, at the highest levels possible. Um, Yeah. Search my name with... (laughs) JV soccer attached to it. (laughs) And sometimes, though, you have to play your way out of these things, right? To me, with Kai Averts, and more probably for Timo Werner, Timo's had his chances. Like, he's had a a rest. So that's what I'm saying. He's had a run to play it out of his system, and it's not playing out of his system. Now, I would Mm -hmm. also argue that he's playing as a winger, and statistically speaking, he scored some 90% of his goals as a center forward. And and I know it's maybe seems a little bit, maybe to some people not that big of a change because he kind of plays as like a right or left forward. It is very much a change. Just his starting position, his ending position, um, and also his role tactically having to track back, not trap back. So I, I, I do think that it's a huge misfortune that Frank has been forced to play Timo out there because of the injuries and the lack of, of options. Um, but when it comes to Kai Averts, I don't know if if we want to sum it up as a time needed to transition to a new league. Christian took a good six months or so last year. Um, I don't know if he's still feeling the effects of COVID, maybe not at 100%. I'd assume he's at 100% if he's playing almost 90 minutes. But for whatever reason, I mean, he just... that 100%. And that's it. And that's where you're like, this isn't the same player we saw, you know, at earlier parts of the season. So... I haven't really squared up what it is. I've definitely not lost confidence in him. But even Gary Hayes uh, put on Twitter, he's like, you just got to take him out of the firing line. He's just, he doesn't look ready. I mean, he was he was fine. What, what really needed to happen was when we took the lead, he needed to come out because he was in there to create uh, uh, offense, basically. Once we were had that lead and it became pretty obvious that Wolves were responding to that lead quite well and we weren't, that's when we needed some steel in the midfield. If we were going to stick to 4-3-3, then we needed not Havertz and Mountain there, even though it worked really well that one time. we need, Especially the players we had on the bench were perfect to either Kovacic or Gilmore, even Jorginho. Uh, somebody on Twitter said that even Jorginho would have been okay. You know, just add, add somebody who's not down to the last bone on his leg and... You know, it's I don't know if it's COVID or adjustment. It doesn't really matter. You know, he's he clearly needed to come out much earlier than the 71st minute, which is five minutes after the goal, Dan, just to kind of give you a little bit of a of an idea of, you know, when Frank decided to make that change. Um, Yeah. More than 10 minutes after we scored. We scored 50 something, 50. So we scored. I just had a pretty early. Let me stall, stall. Oh, here we go. Uh, 49th minute. <laughs> yeah. So and we our scored f- almost immediately. And okay, so you don't take Havertz out in the five minutes in the second half. That looks a little weird. But give him a few minutes. And when it was became obvious that Wolves were pressing, that's when you take it out. You add, add Kovacic. You can throw in some tackles. Add Gilmore. You know, he'll run around. We're, good. we're much better. Well, it was obvious there was a need and i think you're kind of picking up right there a need for a ball retention at that point because of the amount of displaced passes you know all the way from 
you know, the, the starting in our kind of back line who, you know, Thiago Silva maybe in a, you know, three-day rest period for a match is not a great long-term solution either at, uh, you know, I think they, they made mention of his age probably about five or six times during the telecast, which... Like, easiest uh, thing to point out. Yeah, it, but I mean, like, that, you know, that that's the, the thing, right? We didn't have... We weren't keeping the ball. We were turning it over easily. It was allowing Wolves to press forward. Kai has not done a, a good job retaining possession. Timo has not done a good job of retaining possession, um, in, in particular, those two. But, you know they were not the only culprits of turning the ball over with much ease. And as much as I am not a fan of like the idea of like, you know, Mason on the wings, cause it's not great. But even then, if you wanted to say, Hey, we want to, we want to be press resistant. We want to stop the, the running down of this side. You push Mason forward, you take Timo out, you know, you, cause you know, at least Drew can hold up a little bit better than, you know, maybe kind of what, Tammy can offer, even if you're not trying to maybe go for a second. Um, and then you bring Kovacic on for Havertz and you're going to maintain the ball. You're not going to create pretty much anything, but we weren't creating anything to begin with. And your bench wasn't filled with attacking options. So you kind of needed to hunker down and say, you know, what? we got one. We need to grind this out. And that's, I think, peasy where the, I mean, the challenge is. And I think people point at Lampard. I'm like, hey, how do you maybe be a little bit more of a, you know, just assess the situation appropriately and say, you know what, like our shooting isn't happening today. I got a goal up. I need to lock it down and we just need to win and take all three points and go. And what was, what was weird is when you looked at the bench, that's what it seemed like the plan was, right? Cause we were saying before the game or he was saying before the game that Pulisic might, might not even be ready to start. So the idea that he's starting gives you the, the notion that we're going to try to grab a goal and then kind of not maybe not necessarily sit on the lead because that's not something we're not we're not Jose Mourinho here but, but we're going to sit on the lead <laughs> but you name one striker to the to the bench which is obvious but then after that it's all midfielders and defenders so if your options to change the game are defensive or possession oriented then that's kind of how you play the game even if you stick to your original formation you know he could have he could have attenuated this, uh, the situation a little bit by switching his formation, adding more defenders or adding somebody like Aspilicueta into the game mm-hmm. uh, who could have, even even as a second-half substitute, could have really helped solidify what looked to be a shaky shaky day for the, the defenders. Um, so it's just, I mean, I guess we can chalk it up to inexperience or whatever we want to say with Lampard, but he is even if he himself is in his third season of management now, he's supported by people who have been in management for a while. And I'm specifically talking about Jody Morris. Um, You know, he didn't manage top level, but he's been youth coach forever. And um, the situations you encounter in youth football are still fairly similar to what you encounter in senior football when it comes to game management or tactics and things like that. So it just seemed like, uh incong- incongruous what he started uh, his starting tactics and what uh, he decided to change or not change as it were halfway through the game and that's no i mean it's it's on him he'll say we're not up to we were not up to uh the challenge today or whatever the words he used but i mean really he should have just said i should have made better changes all right. Well, more more on that a little bit. Obviously, the uh, the hashtag uh, lamps out. It was back, which I mean, of course, it was. Let's well, those let's people not... just need to be blocked and banned. Sometimes. Like I said, let, yeah. Really let's, there's nothing to one. nothing to get uh, riled up about. Um, but there's a lot that could have gone better for Chelsea. I think we talked about. It. So we're gonna take a quick break. When we get back, though, uh, we're gonna talk a little bit about rotation. Obviously, the Dana match, the table review, much more to come. Uh, So thanks to the sponsors for financially supporting the show, and we'll be right back. All right, listen up, fellas. 2020 sucked. It's almost the new year, which means new balls with our sponsor, Manscaped. Manscaped is the best when it comes to men's below-the-waist grooming, offering precision-engineered tools for your family jewels and helping 2 million men all over the world get rid of hair on their balls. Dan, what do you think about that? Well, yeah, I agree. 2020 sucked, and 2021 is right around the quarter. So, you know, if you want to get that new year freshness going on, 
you know, they've got the perfect package, you know, which is a collection of items like the lawnmower 3.0. You've got the, the weed whacker to take care of those annoying nose hairs and ears hair. And, you know, I mean, look, they also got other products that you could use too. They've got a ball toner right? The crop reliever. They've got a ton of different things. And as we're recording this, uh, we're getting laughed at. And you know, ultimately that's okay. Because you know what? You have to find joy in this moment. And one of the things that can bring you joy, Brandon, can be a brand new package from Manscaped. Uh, it's true. Look, if you're going to you know, take care of yourself and, and do some cleaning up, you might as well do it with the right equipment. Uh, the Lawnmower 3.0, it's waterproof skinscape trimmer, reduces the nicks to your two best friends, right? Uh, it comes with a shed travel bag. Keep all your goodies stored together. Um, well, and, and, Brandon, the, and Brandon, don't forget, you know, the ball is going to drop at midnight. Make sure the ball well, looks good with the Lawnmower 3.0 and Manscaped. Use our code London is Blue for 20% off and free shipping on your first order. That is London is Blue, the code. 20% off plus free shipping. So when the balls drop, everything looks pretty. All right. Well, there you go. 20% off and free shipping with the code London is blue at manscaped.com. Again, 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com and use code London is blue. Happy New Year to you and your balls. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other job sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need and you can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the most important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. It's a lot. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. All right. Rotation, rotation, rotation. Definitely been my kind of buzz topic of uh, of late, especially with injuries and, and playing about every three to four days since October. So at friend of the pod at Liam underscore to me. Uh, apparently he asked Lampard about Ziyech and, and hudson Adoy, And Lamp said that both should be back in training before the end of the week but he's not sure they'll be ready for West Ham, which I wouldn't expect them to be. Not be ready for West Ham. Exactly. So what the hell does that mean we're going to do, Dan? You got you got Pulisic hanging on by Hammy. Silva clearly is gassed. Timo is gassed. Averts is a shadow of himself. Solve our problems. Man, uh, I, I probably need some... FA coaching badges are probably wow. a lot more Don't than let what those I've got limit right here. Yourself. Uh, I think there's a lot that you could do. I don't know if Frank will do these things. I think you could say, you know, as as much as there's been the debate around, like, you know, will will Giroud be the the right type of guy in certain situations? We've seen matches where the the chances. Drew doesn't convert are the ones that Tammy would most likely have no issue with the ones that Tammy has trouble with the ones that Drew would not have a problem with and vice versa. So that like that, that's just going to be, I think a, a rotating carousel of challenges throughout the season. And so just on the day run with the hotter hand, um, whomever is the one that's, uh, Worked harder in trading and, uh, you know, hashtag meritocracy, all the things that, uh, you know, from a selection buzzword bingo, you would uh, fill out there. But, you know, if if we are not going to have a healthy set of wingers, that is where I think the biggest challenge comes in then. And it's trying to figure out, well, do you want to go back into a 4-2, you know, Three one. Do you want to play like a really weird kind of setup with like the the two 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 and try to like figure out a solution where you? I just really try to play, you know. Do you want to do a diamond? Like there, there's lots of different options there. But you know, if we're saying that Timo needs a rest, 
Callum's out injured. Ziyech isn't ready to go. I, I mean, who else does he play? Like, do we put Mount back in the, the front three? Like, no, that's a bad idea. So, I mean, I don't know if I have a good answer. I don't think this this lineup is probably what the answer is on repeat. Like, I just think that's that's what's going to happen. Maybe Kovacic comes, comes in, PZ. But I, I don't think there's many positional options or different personnel options that Lampard's going to have. Yeah, I mean, the 4-3-3 is okay. This formation is okay. Um, the trouble with... Uh, it's kind of the ideal setup for it is to have Ziyech on the right and with his inside-out crosses towards um, two runners at the far post, which worked really well. And I assume eventually teams would figure it out, but uh, fortunately Ziyech hasn't been uh, healthy enough for them to have an opportunity to figure that out. Um, with with Pulisic healthy, um, he's not the same player, obviously, and he needs to be on the left for his ultimate uh, effectiveness, really. And the trouble with uh, the whole Werner situation is that um, he seems to be uh, better suited to play with uh, Tammy, and just because Abraham is a bit more dynamic than Giroud is. Uh, Giroud is mostly just going to stay central, and that's fine if that's what we're aiming for. But if we have um you know Werner out there on the left and nobody who's who's getting him the ball he's not um he's not really involved as we saw today and when he is um he's not as effective so you know this formation is fine and obviously the injuries limit us in a way but yeah it's Oh, to be a manager. I mean, he can try. It seemed like for we spent all of last season trying to figure out what formation we should play, uh, what tactics we should play. And every time we'd happen upon a winning formation or a winning strategy, even if it was a one-off game, like with the 3-4-3 multiple times, uh, Lampard would be like, this is it. We're going to play this for the next X amount of games. And then we'd lose immediately. And we're like, oh, this isn't it, obviously. So... That's one of my minor issues. My major issues actually with Lampard is that he seems to do uh, the style of management I would do in championship manager or football manager, where if something is working, I'm not going to change it until it stops working, which is fine in a video game because nobody cares except me. Uh, it's less fine if you're paid to be a top, top manager, um, in which case you might want to be a bit more proactive and I get it that we found this 4-3-3 and it seems to work, seem to have worked really well for a while. And, um, you know, there's obviously a school of management that uh, people like Conte and Sarri and even Mourinho subscribe to where you just play your game and you force that game onto the opposition and you uh, beat them basically uh, using, instead of adjusting to your opposition, you say, this is how we play and you adjust to us. Uh, we're not at that stage yet. So if Lampard is going to be a top manager, he might need to start uh, playing a bit more reactive. And I don't mean play on the counter, which could happen, uh, but just maybe adjust to a uh, to the opposition a little better. If I could tell or predict quite clearly that Wolves are going to go with a three-man defense, then surely uh, my man Frank Lampard could predict the same and maybe match up just as we did last season and beat them twice. Hat mm -hmm. trick hero, that one. Um, yeah. I think that's something that was actually, a, it's a pretty healthy discussion in the discord today was about Lampard. And is he a man with a plan? Is he experienced enough? Is he, I think we can all agree that his resume doesn't justify his job from a managerial standpoint. But we know how he got there, right? Right man, right place, a.k.a. transfer ban. Uh, you know, had to pay off Mauricio Sarri, had to pay off Conte even from the year before. Uh, it ended up just being a good fit. The fans are so upset for Mauricio Sarri. You knew if you hired Frank Lampard, you really can't do anything wrong, at least for a couple years. Um, but, but here we are, uh, you know, to, to your point, PZ, it's easy also throughout the, oh, you spent 200 and whatever million in transfers. Yeah. But I mean, that's really not that much because we didn't spend any of the, the window before. So it was essentially just two transfer windows in one. Um, 
and it had some moving parts to to um you know to get settled there so i think i think what i like to hold on to as an optimist too is that he's done things that have gone really well and i even think back to just a week ago a little over with the leads match right we tactically picked leads apart in my opinion um uh, to you know i thought against everton we were terrible tactically and i'd say we didn't have a good day out with Everton, you had no natural wide players, which forced his hand. Now, you know, you had a bit of a, a bad day out for the defense, which, to be fair, we haven't really had in weeks, if not months. So, you know, it's it's probably, they're probably due for a wobble. Um, and then, you know, up front, we've actually, we're on a downward trend that our attack isn't producing as many chances uh, and not clear-cut chances like we were even in October when we were really clicking and, and flying. So, you know, I, I think that we've ran some some deep, some decent opposition here. Um, but overall, it, the, the question just comes back to, is Lampard perfect as a manager? No. Is he still learning a lot on the job? Absolutely. You know, I think fans just, and it's up to them to decide how much time and patience they want to give him. Uh, I think it's up to them to decide if, if they think he's the right man or not. But I think... At the end of the day, my only ask is that you support the club, even if you know you, you can disagree or, or want change. But um, I think it's weird that you anyone would ever be like, "I hope Chelsea lose and Frank gets sacked." Like, I to me, that's just not a, a, a frame of mind, Dan, that I understand, nor it's one that I really can consider to to promote or understand. So um, I think not not thinking a player or a manager is the best person for the job is one thing, but kind of how you go about supporting and expressing those things is, is just a different thing altogether. I mean, did you see, I mean, like if you were on Twitter this weekend, you saw the reaction from the, I mean, idiots, I feel like is a nice way of talking about the Arsenal fan TV collective Borg, you know, hive mind that they have. Like it could be that situation, right? Like we are, you're like, you know, champagne problems, right? Like we have, you know, amazing, talented players who every team wishes they could have one of, right? Like, you know, Man United, if they could have Conte tomorrow, they would like bite off our arm to do it. You know, if um, Leeds could pick up Timo Werner, they would take it in a heartbeat. And so, yes, like this is a period of frustrating fixtures. It is an unfortunate mixture of... Injury, uh, a bad run of results, maybe some poor substitutions and tactical you know, assessment and leading up to and being executed in the game. But ultimately, this is a side. And I think, you know, this was you know your call out in the beginning. You know, it was 17 unbeaten. The thing is, it has to be how do we respond to this? Right. How do you take, you know, stop the two from being a skid like the West Ham game needs to be a win now. Right. Like this game could have been a draw and West Ham could have been a win. And like that would have been a really good rebound. Again, West Ham are tough competition this year. So there's not going to be an easy match in any regard. And, you know, I actually think we lucked out a little bit against Wolves last season. Wolves are still a good side. I mean, they are without a recognized number nine with Raul Jimenez out injured still. Um, And so maybe that was where this one just hurts a little bit more. Also off of, you know. Reese gets a deflected ball and kind of helps put it past Mendy. And then, you know, wasn't the, even a corner. Yeah. Wasn't even a corner to begin with. Though, Go which down was that fault. little route. <laughs> uh, so refereeing the game. Well, no. I mean, when it wasn't officiated appropriately the first time, Brandon, someone needs to step in and do it. <laughs> we have technology. It should be used for clear cut decisions such as who put the ball out for who touched the ball last. Was it the defender or was it the attacker? Turns out it was the attacker. Took all of five seconds to figure that out. Yeah, and you wouldn't need the referee to run over to the pitch side monitor. Like Far would be able to be like, no, definitively this. We have we have just uh okay. I don't want to really want this, but like we is perfect, perfect dichotomy of stupid and good tech in this game, in that we had goal line technology, which is a cut and dry binary decision. Did the ball cross the line? Yes, it did. It crossed it by like an inch, but it crossed it. It's you know, that's all you need. So, and then we have in the next, the second, uh, 10 minutes later, we have this, uh, situation where the corner gets called because the referee thinks or the linesman thinks, I don't even know who made the call. 
that Thiago Silva made the last touch, but really it was Boli who got the last touch. And it was fairly obvious on the immediate replay, even before the corner was taken. You know, what's what's preventing us from from uh, enacting this technology and not worrying about re-refereeing, quote unquote, the game on subjective decisions, uh, getting getting the basics right and then worrying about the more complex decisions. But it is what it is. We still should have defended and got a bit unlucky because uh, James deflected it and Mendy only got a fingertip to it instead of a full finger. Oh, yeah. and my my little beef, I'm sure other goalkeepers or the goalkeeper in the room, virtual room, will also appreciate it. But the first line out of the commentator's mouth was, oh, Mendy got beaten on his near post on no, yeah, you know, shift. Yep. He got beaten on this near post. There was a deflected shot that was really powerful. What is he supposed to do with it? But, oh, he got beaten on the near post. Uh, uh, I know. It's... Uh... <laughs> I think even Tim Howard came out and kind of blasted some commentators on. He goes, and I'm not a big fan of Tim Howard anymore as a U.S. men's national team player. Uh, and yeah, but no. Once his career took a nosedive, he started just slinging names and chopping people down. It wasn't the Timmy I liked, and I think he has a long ways to go in broadcasting. But anyways, he this did. This is not the Tim Howard podcast. He, he rightfully <laughs> said, well, I have to make sure my allegiances are well known so people know I'm not just like overly biased, especially with Tim Howard. Um, but you know, a goalkeeper doesn't want to get beaten at either post, right? Like, like what a novel idea. And, uh, <laughs> you know, just Google goalkeeper, you angle play, just, you know, essentially explains it. you try to minimize the amount of space right. on both posts, um, that you don't get scored on because if you just hug your near post the whole time, they'd have a lot of room to shoot at the back post. Right. So, yeah. uh, it's, um, it's not lazy punditry. It's, uh, actually uneducated punditry. They just mm. don't know better. They're just saying things they've heard. And unfortunately that is just mm. a line that, that is stuck. So, um, there's it's... also, you have strong sides and weak sides as a goalkeeper. I'm better going to my right than my left. Cause I'm right hand dominated. It, it's not as simple as what people say. So you play those margins, but it's just disappointing um, to hear from X players, which I believe the co-commentator was an X player, a defender at that, I think. Yeah, uh, and that's yeah. We can get on, into man. defender just second year post goalkeeper though, covers far like, post. If you want to talk about like just a very innocuous way to improve the game, like ball inbounds, ball out of bounds. Think about the fact that like I want to say it's about like ten corners is like the average in a game. Like let's say you threw just ten seconds on the board for everyone just to do a quick visual like uh, you know AV visual mm-hmm. check on it. You would not be adding any real time at all to a game. I mean. To really, right. what we need to do is stop the running clock nonsense and stop the clock every time the ball is out of bounds. And uh, I know this is going to heathen oh boy. <laughs> here, massive changes to the rules of the game, but we need to stop with the 90-minute running clock and just do two 30-minute halves of stop clock. And every time the ball goes out of bounds, you stop the clock, which is most 90-minute games on average have about 60 minutes of play, 60 minutes of play. So you're not going to lose anything. You're not going to lengthen the game by any considerable or reason or significant amount or noticeable amount even, but you would give a, um, you would a stop all the time wasting nonsense because there would be no time to waste, at least not when the ball's out of bounds and you would get that built-in window to do a quick confirmation of a potentially significant calls. Like, is it a corner of a goal kick? Seems kind of important. Would they say it's like 60, 65 minutes of actual like gameplay in a match? Yeah, it's about 60 minutes. Depends on the league on average. Some uh, some leagues average a bit more than others. So yeah, 60, 65 is about what you get. Boom, boom, yeah. boom. I am, I am by far not the first person to suggest this. And even, even proper journalists have suggested this in the <laughs> recent past. And uh, if we are eventually going to succumb to our technology overlords, I think this is a necessary change that hopefully will happen in my yeah, lifetime. Yeah, but you're a, you're a proper blogger. So, mm. you know, oh, yeah. wow. there's that. Okay. Hey, PZ, I want to ask you real quick, because I've already heard Dan ramble on about this, and they've all heard me ramble on about oh. this. Do you think there's a formation that Chelsea would be successful in this situation, like right now, where we don't really have any true wingers, do you think a formation change is something that would help? I, th- I said maybe a, 
a, th- a three back set where you can let Reese James and Chili B be a little bit more of like box to box, almost like traditional wingers. Yeah. Um, I suggested for this game specifically, I don't usually suggest formations because that's a fruitless endeavor and a waste of time on my part. But uh three, five, two was the, or a three, three, four, one, two mm-hmm. would have, would have been the proper choice in my mind for this with a back three of drafting an Asphalacueta, who's, you know, his best position is still center right in a back three, giving James and Chilwell the the light, the, the, the burden of creativity from the wings, which they basically have anyway, um, and putting Werner in what would be his ideal position, which he's actually yet to play at Chelsea, which is in a top uh, two up front playing off of a big man, whether it's Abraham, which would be a bit more dynamic, or Giroud, who's more of a, a strong hold-up guy. Uh, putting either uh, Mount or Havertz in the hole as a number 10. You know, one's a bit more pressing. The the other guy, Havertz, could in theory be a bit more creative. And then having Kante and Kovacic, take your pick, uh, playing in, in the midfield two. And Kante, as we know, is still best at a midfield two, even though he's done really well as the base of a midfield three that we've seen in a 4-3-3. So for this game, I definitely would have kind of switched our our formation. I really like the four three three, in fact, um, but it's it kind of depends. It kind of really needs a, a winger, and it needs Werner to be um, maybe not better because I'm not sure he really can be better in that position. But he needs to finish his chances, um, mm. and he didn't really get too many in this one. But some. <laughs> Again, somebody smarter than me on Twitter said something along the lines of, um, we need Werner's first touch to be the last touch in any attacking move. Um, as it's not to say that he can't control a ball or can't make a pass, but his advantage for our team is finishing, and he needs to be at the end of chances, not in the buildup, not in the creative move, creative part of the move. He needs to be at the finishing end. And the problem with him he, playing him and Drew at the same time. Didn't he set up Chile though? What's that? Didn't he set up? Didn't he set up Chile though to get the assists? Anyone can pay play five yard passes. <laughs> I mean, okay. Every anytime, just uh, this is what I don't like to say. Share my opinion. Every time you say <laughs> something, you know, I'm not saying he literally can't make a pass. Or he can't take a touch. He's much better running. He's much better. He's much better coaching. Yes. The man is a professional footballer. He has a touch that's a million times better than mine, a vision that's two million times better than mine, and passing that's probably as good as mine. Um, We're not comparing him to you, and we bought him to finish. Dude, we already said I'm an all star JV player. You were a defender. I I remember that. Come on. I was once told that my long passing is decent. But right, he's a finisher. Yeah, finisher. Yeah, so playing him on the wing is the problem in that he needs to be at the end of the move rather than at the at the buildup. And um, there was an interesting moment in this game as well where uh, he got yelled at by Thiago Silva towards mm-hmm. the end when he didn't quite track back enough and didn't put in the right effort that's needed as a winger to help support your fullback in in a, in the defensive phase. So it's. Uh, yeah, look, I'm torn. I, the short I, answer. I short answer is today we need to try Werner in a front two, and however we can make that work, whether it's in a three-five-two or a four-four-two or whatever other formation you want, we kind of, especially when all our other wingers are injured, we can't continue pushing this wing-based formation because we're losing half the effectiveness. It's you know modern game. You rely on your fullbacks and your wingbacks a lot. But or the way the four three three is set up, we need wingers as well. And if we don't have them, then just pushing and hoping that for the best and playing uh, an out of form Havertz and a not quite winger Werner as wing wing uh, players is not gonna get you the results you want at the rate that you want. It will still get you wins because they are professional footballers at the top level who are very good players but it won't get you the wins at Everton or at Wolves, apparently. Look, I I predicted that, that, or maybe I just claimed that Timo Werner was probably going to be our most important signing this summer. And it's because 
someone who scores goals, it solves a lot of problems, takes a lot of pressure off teams. I know why Frank isn't playing him down the middle because he doesn't have any options out wide, but it is definitely hurting him. And I think maybe fans are turning on him because he's not putting in the performances we want out of him, but it's not as simple as that. You know, the fact he has to track back, the fact that he has to get stretched wide chasing fullbacks, the fact that, you know, he can't make the runs he wants because he knows that uh, he has to get back. And if he doesn't get the ball, he's out of position. And Tiago Silva yells at him. There's just a lot that goes into it. And I think that uh, Timo Werner is sadly losing out more than anyone else with the formation changes. It was Mason Mount. Now we're on to Timo. Um, but we got to get players healthy or we have to reinforce even in January so we can get uh, some wide players in so that Timo and Tammy and Olivier Giroud can play in their best f- spot, which is center forward striker. Well, Timo Werner is only second to N'Golo Conte for most minutes played for Chelsea in the Premier League this season. And uh, the separation is 43 minutes. So we and we should expect that considering uh, Lampard said a few weeks ago that uh, Werner is a machine. So apparently he doesn't get tired, but quite clearly he does. Um, we need more T1000 from him <laughs> at this point. Yeah. Stone it's, cold it's... killer. <laughs> um, all right, Dan, let's go ahead and wrap this bad boy up with your little Dan of the match and a table review before we look ahead to the next fixture on the list. Yeah, Dan, the match was canceled. Yeah, it's a loss. We don't, we don't, we don't do those. It was probably in Golo Conte if you were really going to run it, but it's always in Golo Conte. Yeah, Kurt there Zuma? you go. Mm-hmm. Eh, if he had scored, yes, he probably also could have done more to really, close down. really badly on the one we'd won versus Pedro Neto at the yeah. very end. I'd be really, really hard pressed to give it to Zuma as much as I love Christian. Big, big happy Christian would be second. Mason disappeared. All right. Anyways, um, Frank that one was canceled. Protection on the right hand side of the pitch. Right. <laughs> save, right hey. save his legs by putting him on the right. All right. So this table is going to be a little skewed by the time you listen to this because we played early in the week. But Tottenham are first on twenty five, Liverpool second on twenty five, Leicester uh, third on twenty four, Southampton fourth on twenty three, and Chelsea stuck in fifth at twenty two after not picking up any points in the last two matches. Uh, City, uh, they drew. drew. They drew. Yeah, um, drew um, West Brom. West Connor Brom. Gallagher's West Brom. West Brom. Yep. West Brom. I will get, maybe it's the accent thing. Anyway, so they're sixth. Yeah. West Ham seventh. Is which we play next. Everton eighth. Man United ninth. Problem is United are two games back, so they could jump all the way up to twenty sixth. Though I doubt it. Uh, if you scroll all the way down to the table, you've got uh, Arsenal fifteenth, uh, Fulham in eighteenth, West Brom nineteenth. And Sheffield, 20th. They are still on one point. Sheffield United. What a season they're having. Mm. Not exactly what Wilder wanted. That is for sure. Um, Anyways, Miguel Delaney kind of given a little perspective context. Not my favorite person in the world, but the tweet's fair. Uh, Five points between first and ninth slash 10th. It has never been tight. It has never been tight after this many games in the Peel era. That's not a real sentence. Oh, it's never uh, the word there, been. I think. Yeah. This tight. Is, yeah, exactly. I was uh, very excited to tweet this out. <laughs> paid, paid to write is his profession. Uh, closest from no top to middle at this stage was eight points in 1998, 1999, and 99, 2000. So, um, look, this is an unbelievably competitive league this season, you know, partially with the COVID and the, the changes and the, and the condensed schedule. Uh, so slipping up twice in a row hurts a ton um, because we always knew that there's not a lot of room to slip and go down with. But um, look, according to Dan and script, we play wolves this coming Tuesday, but we don't, we actually play West. Thank God. Don't want right. to lose we're, again. We're going, <laughs> we're going up to, or uh, is it home or way? I don't home. know. It's, it's home. home. Thank gosh. So playing West Ham. Uh, we lost at home s- last time. They're in seventh. Uh, Moises is, is doing decent for them. So we'll see, but Hey, DPZ, the, the, Mo- the Moisaya. Well, and, and just before, you know, just as they were letting fans back in, it is now no fans yeah. back at the game either, too, which is, you know, seemed to actually help in our last appearances at the bridge. So uh, unfortunate. Hey, you know, we, we're saying uh, five points between. I mean, there's a good chance we'll be in eighth place by the time you listen or see this, but we still will be only six points off the top of the table, most likely, possibly even less. And that's a third of the way through the season. 
you know, could be worse. Well, think, think about the prior down. seasons. Well, but think about the prior seasons, right? Over 20 plus, 30 plus point differences at the end of the season from where the title finisher was. Like if we are truly going back to this idea that season two of Frank Lampard, season two of the Frank Lampard show was about closing the gap. The gap has closed to the top sides at the moment. And we are amongst that conversation, which is where we want to be. Now it's how do we rebound and build on this? Yeah, the first the first team to really put it together is is probably gonna run away with this title. And if nobody puts it together, then we have you know somebody Dash winning finish. somebody winning the league on like seventy five points. Well, it was <laughs> it'll, be, it'll after, be another Leicester City. It was Everton after three weeks, so it sounds like Southampton. You're you're going all the way, gentlemen. Hassan Hoodle for the win. Um, yeah. All right, uh, quick shout out to Owen Otisowi, American playing for Wolves. Got to got to love that seeing that. Um, but that's all they get. So anyways, DPZ, loved hanging out with you again. Appreciate your time, sir. Uh, good to Thank catch you. up with you and, and bring in the, the hot opinions, even if Dan didn't agree with them. This is the, this is the hottest takes I've had in my life. <laughs> can't wait. I can't wait to do it again. Dan, thanks for being here. Uh, everyone go tell Nick you missed him. Uh, you know, they, you guys slate me when I'm gone. I actually show a little bit of love and support when you guys are gone. So uh, oh. go tell Nick you missed him. Uh, but he will be no. back, I'm sure, for a West Ham preview. So anyways, that's going to wrap us up as always. Uh, thank you, listeners. Best part about this, engage with us. Let us know what you agreed with, what you didn't agree with. And we'll be back uh, with a little Matt Law special later this week. So until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.